Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Well, you asked for it, and we heard you. Back by popular demand is another of our episodes on tips and tricks on all sorts of things that you might find useful. We will share ideas and demonstrations submitted by listeners, as well as some from ourselves, on topics ranging from using smartphones and access technology and computers to dealing with everyday life. There's sure to be a gem in here for everyone. But first for our tip of the week. For this week's tip, we are bringing back the very first tip we ever spoke on the air, and that was from our first show, number 1101, that aired in January of 2011. The tip is, whether or not they help your vision, eyeglasses can be really valuable for protection. And that's something I learned a long time ago when I had some partial vision, but I did not wear glasses and I scratched my cornea. It was not fun. It was very painful and it was a big hassle to get cured. And after that, I started wearing glasses. And even when my eyesight diminished till there was no light perception at all, I continued wearing glasses because, again, I don't blink when I walk into things. So it's good protection for anybody, even for people who are sighted. And an extra little side benefit, frankly, after all of the surgeries Pete had as a kid, his eyes don't look all that good. And the eyeglasses provide a little bit of distraction and a little bit of glare that makes him actually look better. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible by... Logan Tech, makers of the electronic take-anywhere six-dot braille label maker that produces crisp, clear braille that strikes, scores, and cuts in seconds. More information on our family of devices and products is at logantech.com. Logan Tech, improving quality of life with technology. Normally, at this point in the show, we introduce our guests, but we don't have any guests today. So instead, we're going to start by explaining what prompted us to air this show now. Well, you may recall about a month ago, we aired an episode, number 1731, in which we described our move cross-country from Rochester, New York, to Golden, Colorado. And as part of that, we had a little clip, which we are about to repeat, demonstrating me guiding Pete up the stairs and into the house. And here we are, arriving at our new home in Golden. Up, up. Thank you. Up, up. Up some stairs. Up, up. Here we are at the front door. I guess you know the punch code. And several listeners, after hearing that, said, gee, you must have a bunch of audio cues that you use to help guide each other around. 
And so they asked us what other audio cues we use. Well, frankly, mostly we use hand signals because that way we don't interrupt the conversation. And even after 34 years of marriage, we still like holding hands. But sometimes if we run into a situation where the terrain gets rugged or whatever, we will opt for safety and I will interrupt the conversation and say things like up once for each step until it gets to be too many. So I could say up, 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 and that's three steps. But if it's a lot, I'll just say a lot of ups or down if it's a step down. And duck is totally different from down. Down is when you step down, but duck is when you lower your head. Skinny if the path is narrow, normal if it gets wide again. And for the most part, we have a very short list because they're each pretty broad terms. And so we haven't bothered to develop a much longer list. Now, I've never had training as a guide or in orientation and mobility, so I have no idea whether these are at all included in the official O&M recommendations, but for the last 34 years of marriage, they've been working. And that's just what worked for us and how we developed our lexicon of things. And as Nancy said, most of our cues are not verbal that she gives to me. Most of them are more subtle in terms of hand signals or just the way she twists her body. We mostly use the verbal cues when we're on more extreme hikes or, you know, walks where there's some treacherous footing. But to tell you how subtle some of the messages and cues are... Her parents had known me for about 20 years, and one day I was out in the garden with her dad alone, and he was saying to me, you know, it's really nice to see how you guys get along and interact with each other. He says, but I'm just surprised that, you know, she doesn't warn you when you come to stairs or when you come to curbs and things like that. And it was interesting to me that he never noticed all the subtle signals that were going on between us without anything being said at all. Because usually when I'm with Nancy alone, I wasn't using my cane, and he hardly ever saw me use my cane. So that was kind of a surprise. And it's not just my dad. Not infrequently, if we're walking with a group of people and we approach some obstacle, whether it's a step up or down or a door or whatever, I'll just do something with my hand. Pete knows what to expect, and everything's cool, but our friends haven't noticed that either. And they're like, Pete, watch out, there's a step coming. But I always appreciate help. Better to be safe than sorry. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is a series of tips for easier ways to get better results from your smartphone, your computer, or other devices. And even if one of these tips is specifically described for one device, it may apply equally well to other similar devices. So the first tip came from a listener, Harry Brown, and he wrote in that menu navigation can be a lot faster than just using your arrow keys to look for items on your Windows computer. You can use first letter navigation where you type the first letter of an item. And if there's more than one item in the menu or on your desktop that begins with the same first letter, you can use multi-letter navigation where you can type two, three, or more letters to find that item very quickly. 
And I'm always amazed that sighted people don't use some of these keyboard shortcuts because they're very easy to do. I mean, if I'm looking for the fifth item down that starts with S in a list, I'll just hit S five times. Or if I'm looking for some particular word, I type the first few letters of it. Whereas some sighted people would be messing around with a mouse and sometimes they'll mislocate where the mouse is and hit the wrong thing by accident. And it just doesn't seem quite as efficient. Well, I'm fully sighted and I use an awful lot of keyboard shortcuts. It really is more convenient. It makes me crazy watching our friends struggling with the mouse, trying to see what they're looking for and trying to move the cursor so it's on top of just the right item. And it's about 50-50. They've got the cursor on the next item over it really is easier. Interestingly enough, when I first learned Windows, I bought a book called Windows from the Keyboard, and I thought it was written for visually impaired people. It turned out it was written by some person who was always traveling with a laptop on a plane, and he developed all these shortcut methods that were actually built into Windows, but he actually used them and integrated them into his work process. And after Pete essentially memorized the entire book, or at least the useful parts of it. I took the book and made great use of it myself. So learn your keyboard shortcuts. They can be very handy. Another useful tip when working with your computer, especially if you're using the Office Suite from Microsoft, is to use the built-in sounds for better feedback. And I find those quite handy because in addition to my speech synthesizer speaking to me, which gives good feedback, sometimes the sounds are just another cue to me as to what's going on. Whether something is deleted, you will get a notification, or whether a folder is opening or closing, you'll get a sound notification. I mean, sighted people can see these things happen to verify what actions were taken, but those audio cues can be really handy for a person who can't see the screen. Turning now to smartphones, and we both have iPhones, so we're not really familiar with whether or not there are analogous features on Android, but there probably are. Pete has found the Spotlight search feature on the home screen very useful, and even I have been known to use it. Here's how the Spotlight search feature is used on iOS devices. You start by going to the home screen, which you can do by hitting the home button, and then doing a three-finger swipe down in the middle of the screen. I'll do that. Spotlight, text field, is editing, search, insertion point at start. And you can hear that I'm in a search field. So now if I type a text string into the search field, I'll be presented with results in various categories that match that search string. So for example, I'll have several headings under the search results, and each heading will be in a different category. There'll be a category for things like documents that will contain mail items and other documents in which that search string is found, or another heading will be apps, and this will be apps that match the search string that you entered, and there'll be other headings underneath that with various other categories, like web results, for example, where it does a web search based on the string that you typed in. So I'm going to use my Bluetooth keyboard here and type RAD. RAD. 31 items found. Top search result, tune and radio. And you can hear that it found a bunch of items, and the top search result, the one it thought most closely matched RAD, was TuneIn Radio. TuneIn Radio is an app that plays 
various internet radio stations from around the world. So that can be a handy app. So now let's see what happens if I flick right and keep going down the various items. Clear text. Cancel. Button. Top hit. Heading. Tune in radio. Radios. So it tells me that TuneIn Radio was the top hit, and it was found under my Radios folder. So this is also a great way of finding apps on your device if you forgot what screen you put it on or which folder that app is in, or you don't quite know the app name. If you type in a few letters, it will go and find it. So now let's just do a swipe down and see what other categories it found. Applications. Heading. So it found a heading with applications, and if I flick right. Show more. Button. Five zero radio radios. I'll find five zero radio. It's in my radios folder. It says, and that's an app that lets you listen to the fire and police radio stations around your local area or someplace else. Let's flick down again to see if there's other heading options. Contacts heading. So it must have found R A D in my contacts some places. I'll flick down again. Suggested websites heading. There's some suggested websites. So if I flick right, let's see what kind of suggested websites it found. Show more button. Megan Kelly gone rogue. Fox News star claims her boss Roger Ailes harassed her too. Radar online vertical line hottest celebrity gossip and entertainment news. Check back often for the most up to the second. Radar online vertical line. And I'll flick right again. Megan Kelly gone rogue. Eminem in shock. Sister-in-law found dead of a drug overdose after. So it's finding articles on the web that have rad someplace on the web page. Well, that can be a lot of web pages. Let's flick down again and see if there's any other categories. Music. Heading. Oh, apparently it found some RAD in my music settings. Let's flick right and see what's under there. Search an app button. You turn me on, I'm a radio. Joni Mitchell. Hits. Two minutes. 39 seconds. Well, that's a Joni Mitchell tune that I apparently have in my music folder on my device. And if I activate any of the items that came up in the search result, I'll, you know, either get into that app or play the song or go to that website, etc. So this can be a very handy way to easily find information either on the web or on your device or just something that you couldn't find before. Let's flick down once more and see if there's any other categories. Maps, heading. Twitter, heading. Mail, heading. Wikipedia, heading. So as you see, as I keep flicking down, it finds lots of other categories. And again, it automatically comes up with searches that have RAD someplace in those search results. So that was the Spotlight search feature on iOS devices. And if you want a related way of opening things, you can ask Siri to do things like open Safari, open Mail, open Facebook, and that saves you from having to type anything. The next tip comes from a listener in Bangalore, India, who asked not to be identified. But this listener wanted to point out that you can use a three-finger tap on your iPhone to toggle the screen curtain on or off in order to have some privacy. Because when the screen curtain is on, the screen is totally black and nobody can see what you're doing on the screen. And oh, by the way, you're saving battery power. So here's how the screen curtain feature works. You take three fingers and triple tap. Screen curtain on. Now my screen curtain is on and no one can see what is on my screen. If I want to show my screen to a sighted person and turn off the screen curtain, I triple tap again. Screen curtain off. 
now the screen curtain is off and everybody can see what's on my screen. So that's simply just a toggle and very easy to do. Now, if you don't want voiceover to be heard, but still keep it running, you can do a three-finger double tap. Speech off. That turns off speech. And a three-finger double tap turns speech on again. Speech on. Now, one gesture that people may not be familiar with is the three-finger quadruple tap. Note that the last thing voiceover said was speech on. Well, a three-finger quadruple tap copies the last thing that voiceover spoke to the clipboard. So let's see if that really works. I'll do a three-finger quadruple tap. Speech on, speech on, copy to pasteboard. Speech on, speech on, copy to pasteboard. So it tells me what the text was, and then it tells me it was copied to the pasteboard. And then I can just go to a document or an email note and paste whatever information was copied to the clipboard. So, of course, there are a number of other multi-finger gestures in the iOS devices that you can use, but those are just the three-finger gestures that you might find useful. In a similar vein to using the three-finger tap to toggle the screen curtain off so that you can show your screen to a sighted person, when using the camera function of a smartphone, you can change the camera so that instead of using the lens that's facing away from the display, which is how most sighted people take pictures, you can use the lens that's on the same side of the device as the display, and then turn the whole camera around, and the camera will be pointing at the person in front of you, and that person, if they're sighted, will be able to see the display and help you get the right things in the picture. And we make great use of this. It usually results in me being in the pictures that Pete takes of me instead of somewhere near the picture. And actually, our regular camera has a similar feature where we can turn the display around and I can see what he's taking a picture of. Unfortunately, it took us a while to learn that little trick. When I used to take pictures of Nancy on hikes, I always had the display facing me and was taking a picture of her with the rear-facing camera, and sometimes her head was missing in the picture or some other part of the uh, view that we wanted to see was not there at all. So this turned out to be quite handy. I just turned the display so it faced her and made sure that the camera on the display side was being used to take the picture, and that way she could properly align me. And the other thing that we usually do is instead of zooming in on, for example, me or anything else Pete wants to take a picture of, we let him take a picture of a fairly broad area. And then later I come in and crop so that the picture is framed nicer. And, you know, even taking pictures on a cell phone, you get so many bits, you've got plenty to play with, and, and if you crop it, you still have plenty of resolution. Here's another tip from a listener who's been on the show before, Robert Shelton. He suggested that you can use Siri to find out where you are. And I'm going to read his note. 
Let me give you a quick Siri scenario. I was out walking my dog the other evening. She is not a guide, just a pet and a bit new to the leash to boot. So I know my neighborhood fairly well. So I was paying more attention to training the dog than to my navigation. Sure enough, I got to a point where there should have been a long straightaway and there was a street where it should not have been. Oh no. So as I was considering my approach to the random drop-off problem from O&M, it occurred to me to pull my phone out of my pocket and say, Hey Siri, where are we? You are at 1614 Neptune Lane. Okay, my problem was solved. I had simply missed a turn and knew exactly where I was, but thought it would be fun to see if Siri could give me directions. Hey Siri, how do I get to 1234 Oak Street? The directions were flawless. And before you try to look up any of those addresses, Robert made them up. All done without any fancy navigation programs or anything. Just what's built into some of these phones these days. So here's Pete demonstrating this feature. So let's see how this might work. Hey Siri, where am I? You're on 1948 Washington Avenue, Golden, Colorado. Well, at least one of us knows. That can be useful information. So here is another tip from a listener who asked to remain anonymous. A virtually unknown iOS voiceover feature is automatically announcing the time every minute. This listener wrote, As an iOS voiceover user, several years ago I discovered that if I touched the clock status bar item, voiceover would continue to automatically announce the time until interrupted by touch or certain incoming notifications. And here's Pete demonstrating this feature. Now here is how this works if you want to hear the time announced automatically every minute by your iPhone. So slide your finger down from the top of the device at the middle until you come to the time. 10, 11 p.m. So it tells me it's 10, 11 p.m. And now every time that number changes, you'll hear the next minute being announced. So if you want to hear the time every minute, you just don't touch your device anymore and leave focus right there. Let's hear how this works. We'll speed up time so you don't have to wait here for several minutes to hear the announcements. 10, 12 p.m. Status bar item. 10, 13 p.m. Status bar item. 10, 14 p.m. Status bar item. Well, that's one way of making time pass more quickly. And that all happened automatically. So if you want to listen to a timer in the background to keep you on track, that's one way of doing it. So here's another tip. This one was submitted by Dwayne Iverson about using the Victor Reader stream. If you record a radio talk show and want to listen to it later, you can first save the radio recording to your SD card. Then you can use speech compression and the time jump feature to speed things up and skip the commercials altogether. That could be quite handy to save a little time and bypass those annoying commercials. The final tip we have in this section is that, you know, if you're running some new program or application and you find that there are some accessibility problems with it, 
one thing you should do is to contact the developers, usually someplace in the about field or the settings field or the help field. You will find some ways of contacting the developer. If you downloaded the app from the iTunes store, for example, there are always links to the developer and write to them. Tell them what the problem is specifically. Give them steps to reproduce the issues you're seeing. And quite often they're quite willing to fix these problems and you know mostly they don't know that these problems exist until someone tells them about them so try to engage with some of the developers do it in a friendly way don't complain about how bad the app is but show them how these things can be made more accessible for people who are visually impaired and you'll help everybody including yourself and in particular, we will have links in the show notes for this show for how you can contact Apple and Microsoft and Google in terms of accessibility issues. And they are very happy to hear from users because even though they test and test and test, they may have missed something. Now for this week's final item, cool options for white canes and ways your old ones can still be of value. We were contacted a while ago by a company called Custom Cane asking us to tell our listeners about the fashionable white canes that they make. And although they do have white canes in a variety of decorator colors, and designs. You can also design one that's totally custom to your liking and hype your favorite sports team or your favorite activity or whatever. And you can find them online at www.customcane.com. And that is spelled K-U-S-T-O-M-C-A-N-E, all one word. Now, when you're done with your white cane and it's gotten a little banged up and you want one that looks a little better or maybe is a little straighter, if you have an old cane, there may be somebody less fortunate who can still make use of it. And the people at Custom Cane will be happy to take your old canes, maybe even refurbish them a little bit, give them to somebody who needs them. And there's this other organization that we've actually done two separate episodes about called Global Cane Outreach, where they take donated used canes and bring them to rural people in underserved areas around the world. And those episodes were 1303 and 1641. Another little tidbit you may not know about white canes is you can get one for free once a year from the National Federation of the Blind. And they sell a wide assortment of canes, but at a frequency of once a year, you can request a free one from them by filling out a form on their website. And guess where you can find all that contact information and where to get these canes, etc. Yep. You guessed it. Just go to our show notes for this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. So we've done several of these tips and tricks shows in the past, and they've been very popular with our listeners. If you'd like to see some more of these shows and see some of your tips incorporated into the show, just send us your tip. And you can send that to us at hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. 
and tell us what your tip is, give us your name, and let us know if we can use your name on the air or not. That's it for show number 1736. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about starting a new podcast. When Terry and Greg Thrower decided to launch a podcast exploring the challenges of navigating the world as a person with disabilities, including visual impairments, they contacted us to ask for advice. And they asked a whole lot of very interesting questions that went way beyond the mechanics of producing a podcast. And next week's episode contains the answers we gave them. We thought others might be interested as well. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.tiesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and on Audioboom.com, at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.